as we come to the preaching of the word, we've heard the entirety of Luke chapter 23, the lead up to and the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior. And before uh, we hear homily, uh, let us pray. Father, we thank you for this account, for your telling of your great love for us. Lord, thank you for telling us over and over again about your son and what he has done for us. And so Lord, we ask this evening that you would show us Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to say, start by saying that if any of this is new for you, either those online or here um, in person, if any of this is new or confusing to you, um, especially you young ones, any of the elders or the pastors would love to talk to you about these things. And so please do, don't be shy, come and talk. This evening we are confronted by our sin, which is uncomfortable for us. We don't like looking at things that we do that we shouldn't be doing, or failures to do things that we ought to do. We don't particularly like looking at the major flaws in who we are. And that often drives us to try to mitigate the consequences of sin. We cover things up. We lie to avoid getting caught. We justify our sinfulness with half-truths. And sometimes we just simply ignore it all. We don't like looking at our sin because it tells us just how bad we are. But Luke 23, and really the whole Bible, forces us to see our sinfulness. And it not only forces us to look at who we are and what we have done, to see our fallenness and our rebellion, but it also reveals sin for what it actually is, a monstrous crime against an infinitely worthy God. You see, this chapter gives no room for humanity to escape. It is clear from the words of Luke 23 that sinful men killed the only one who deserved only praise, glory, honor, and dominion. The only one that was worthy. Unless we cast our blame on those sinful men of 2,000 years ago, we are reminded that we too are sinners. And so we know, deep in our hearts, or maybe not so deep, that we stand with them. We can't help but see ourselves in those sinful men, and so we stand with the scoffers. We stand with the false accusers. We stand with those that demanded a murderer be released instead of the perfect one. We stand with those calling for crucifixion. Do you hear your and my cry? Crucify him. Crucify him. 
That is our confession, that we helped put Jesus on the cross. And yet our guilt doesn't tell the whole story. You see, we need to see not only that we're guilty of sin, but also we need to see what sin deserves. It's not enough to know that we're guilty. We need to see the consequences of our sins, the wages of sin, to use biblical language. And we see that in Luke 23. We see it in the brutality of this chapter. Think about all the Lord endured that day, a crown of thorns upon his brow, the scourging of the whip that flayed his back to ribbons, the sting of the robe placed upon his torn flesh, the mocking and scorn of the crowd, the shame of being displayed naked upon the cross, the lonely abandonment because his closest friends fled, the agony of nails driven through wrists and feet, the exhaustion of pushing upon those nails simply to draw breath, the utter injustice of it all, and most importantly, the full measure of wrath from God for the sins of all of God's people throughout all time. Now think about that. My own sin demands an eternity of judgment and wrath. That alone is difficult to imagine and wrap my brain around. But Jesus took on the wrath that every Christian ever deserved. What he took boggles the mind. And then as Matthew 27 tells us, Jesus experienced being forsaken by his father, whom he had loved from eternity and only had known close intimacy with. Do we see the cost of our sin? Do we see that this is what we deserve? Do we see the pain, the anguish, the suffering that we have caused the Lord? Truly, it was our sin that held him there until it was accomplished. We sang that just a few moments ago. But as we said at the beginning of our service, Jesus was not forced to this cross. The soldiers were right in saying as they mocked him that Jesus could come down from that cross if he wanted to. He was able. He didn't have to be crucified. He didn't have to suffer. He didn't have to die. That's what we deserve. He didn't deserve that. And so really, he shouldn't have experienced all of those things. And yet he did. Because it was love that kept him on that cross until it was finished. A love that will go to the uttermost to gain that which it desires. You and me. Just as we see the measure of our sin, what it deserves, we also see Jesus' faithful love of his faithful love of us driving him to endure and go through all of these things. And even while he was on that cross. He was thinking and interceding for you and for me. Think about some of his last words. 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Or truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. These are words that are thinking of others, not thinking of himself. When we suffer, we tend to think only about ourselves, how to stop the pain, to stop the suffering, to somehow lessen it so that it's more endurable. But not Jesus. Hebrews 12 tells us that Jesus kept his eyes upon the joy that was set before him as he endured the cross. Joy. Rarely do we, th- do we talk about joy when we are here at Good Friday. But it was joy that kept him there. Why? Because he loved us so that it was his desire to lay down his life for us. It was Jesus' joy to take all that we deserved upon himself. Why? Why, why are we his joy? It's because we are his treasured possession. We are his children. And he is faithful to the promise of his covenant. And so the burden that he bore for us, that weighty and heavy burden, was not burdensome, but his joy. It was his greatest desire to save those whom he loves. And that's why we're here. We have hope. And it's a hope that never perishes. And we can see that hope clearly because we know that Easter morning is coming. But it was not that way that first Good Friday. Jesus was dead and buried in a tomb. The hope of the world seemed to have been snuffed out, and even though we know that Easter is coming quickly, it is right and good for us, Christians, to sit in the tomb with Jesus, to spend time dwelling upon the cost of our great salvation, which is why we have a Good Friday service. Romans 6 tells us that we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And the order matters. And so do you see that to truly understand and appreciate the gospel, that we have to start at the right place? We must start with our sin, his righteousness, and the cross. We have to start with the death of Christ before we can celebrate rightly the resurrection of Christ on Easter. And so between now and Easter, let us contemplate the cross. Let us fix our eyes upon the price of our sin and the great love of God as seen in Jesus' suffering and death. Let us remember that we were supposed to be in that tomb with no hope of resurrection because death, eternal death, is what we deserve. And so let us sit over the next few days. We don't tend to sit and just meditate very often. We don't tend to 
take a break from our busy lives. But if there was ever a set of days to sit, to be quiet, to slow down, it would be this set. Why? Because we want to wait for the resurrection. Because that waiting embodies the life that we have right now. Because we are indeed waiting for a resurrection. A resurrection to come. And so let us wait with our Savior in that tomb. Knowing now as we know that his resurrection is coming. Knowing that his return is coming as well. So let us sit and wait, lifting our eyes to our Savior and calling out with the disciples from of old, Lord, come quickly. Let's pray. Father God, it is hard to understand what you went through for us. These are words on a page, but we have never felt the sting of the lash on our back. We've never felt the piercing of the brow, and we have certainly never felt the nails of the cross. And yet, Lord, we ask that you would give us a taste of what it cost to love us that as we suffer in this life, we might see what it's like to, to love us. Lord, enable us to live your gospel. Remind us that we are indeed buried with you, that we have been crucified with you, and that we no longer live. And Lord, as we sit and wait for that glorious morning to remind us that we are in fact new creations, Help us feel the weight of our sin deeply and fully that we might know and rejoice greatly that we would understand what we have been delivered from and what we have been delivered to. And so, Lord, remind us that you were not content to leave us in our sin, to leave us in our misery, to leave us in our fallenness, but you sent your Son to be one of us and to take what we deserve. Remind us of your great love for us, we pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.